This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. It's great to see you. My name's Dan, and uh, yeah, big respect to all of those people out there running the 10K today. Looking around, I did feel that on average we were maybe slightly less athletic than we normally are. <laughs> speak for myself. Speak for myself. I know. Just the elite, the elite athletes are out there representing us. Um, anyway, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Um, beginning on Monday with the Queen's funeral. Can you believe that that was the start of this week? Watched by millions around the world and signifying uh, the change of our monarch. And then ending on Friday with uh, the Chancellor's announcement of a radical set of tax cuts, which, to be honest, I have very limited understanding of the economy. My brain is one of those that kind of switches off as soon as they mention the financial markets or the Dow Jones or something. I've tried, but I can't quite get my head around it. What I do know is that his new plan seemed to shock quite a few people and uh, for some signify a bit of a risky new strategy. So whether your thoughts have been on the changing of the monarch or our new prime minister or perhaps you know just more close to home, uh, changes to our energy bills. I don't think there's any, any denying that we're in a time of really significant change as a country and as a society. And I wonder, as you've followed some or all of these events, what you've felt, what emotions you have felt as you've followed along with the events that have been taking place. Today, I'm not going to analyze what's going on or make any predictions about what will happen in the future, but I do want to share with you a little bit of how I've been feeling as I've watched the news and as I've followed events from around the world in recent times, as I've engaged with some of the questions and some of the uncertainties that the news has raised. And if I'm honest enough to admit it, some of the fears that it has produced in me as well. And I want to share a very simple thought with you that God has been reminding me of kind of quietly but repeatedly in, in recent weeks. Um, it's been through scripture. It's been through the Holy Spirit just nudging me as I've lain in bed or as I've cycled along to work. And I've really needed to hear this. And I think it may be something that all of us need to hear in this moment. And it's this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's it. If you take nothing else away from my talk this morning, I'd love you to hold on to those four, four words. Do not be afraid. As I've said, I really needed to hear this because I've noticed this gradually increasing level of anxiety in me, in my body, and in my mind as I followed the news. I've always wanted to be someone who's engaged with what's happening in the world. I've always followed the news. But boy, there is so much going on in the world at the moment to be anxious about. And a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that I was feeling this in a way that I hadn't really felt before. It's a bit hard to describe to you, but I became aware of this kind of low-level hum of anxiety, of worry about what could happen in the future, in my lifetime, or even more so, thinking about my children's lifetime. I noticed that anxiety in me when they talked about energy bills and thinking about whether we'd be able to afford them in a year's time. I noticed it in me around the change of government and some of the early signs about what their policies may be, particularly on, on issues I care about around migration and refugees. 
I noticed it when reading about America, even though it's so far away, but where events are almost unbelievable, and where there's a former president who uh, refused to accept uh, the result of an election and has managed to persuade a considerable, considerable percentage of the population that the election was stolen. He also stands accused of illegally keeping state secrets, and at the same time, still seems to be a real contender for re-election. I noticed anxiety in me as I watched the news about Pakistan and how more than half the country was underwater in the flooding and millions had been forced from their homes. I noticed anxiety in me during the recent heat wave where although we were on holiday in Dorset and enjoyed imagining that we were in uh, Portugal or Spain, it was that dry, uh, there was this unspoken question, or actually in my kids' case, it was an often spoken question, about whether this was just the beginning of the effects of climate change in our country. And then the natural follow-on question about what kind of world they will live in. So I've been noticing this. I've been realizing that this type of anxiety or worry about the future, about what might happen or what could go wrong, is a type of fear. And I wonder if any of you can relate to that fear. Others of you may relate to other kinds of fear. Uh, there may be other ways in which fear is very real for you today. It could be fear of failure, fear of a decision that you have to make, or a difficult conversation that you know is coming up. Could be fear of unfinished tasks, of letting people down, of your reputation slipping, of people rejecting you, or fear of a painful experience from the past being repeated. I wonder what it is for you today that is making you feel afraid. Fear is real for most of us. We may not often name it as fear. Often it shows up more as an anxiety, just as that low-level generalized fear. And that's really what I'm speaking about today. I realize that for some of you, you feel, may feel anxiety much more acutely than that. It may have a severely limiting effect on your life. And if that's the case, then do come and speak to any of us, but we'd also encourage you to speak with someone who is qualified to help, like a counselor or a therapist. We'd definitely support you in doing that. But part of the challenge when we talk about fear is that fear in itself isn't wrong. It's an emotion that serves a very important purpose, which is to help keep us safe. Think about the dashboard on your car and why it's there. It tells us if we're going too fast. It tells us if we're going to run out of petrol, and it tells us if the engine is going to overheat. We need to pay attention to those warning signs. Or fear is like a bodyguard whose job is to anticipate what threats might be out there and then tell us when to duck. Fear is our body's way of telling us that we might be in danger. So fear is a good warning signal but it's not a reliable master in our lives. There are several problems with fear and how it works. Firstly, the warning light will go off whether the threat is real or imagined, which is why uh, you know, sometimes fear wakes us up in the night. Uh, your body will pump out the same amount of adrenaline whether you're dreaming that someone's breaking into your house or whether someone really is. It's not very helpful, is it? Secondly, fear holds us back in so many ways, in our relationships, 
in what we attempt to accomplish, in pursuing our God-given dreams. Intense fear can immobilize us, and anxiety affects our health, creating those sleepless nights, maybe difficulty breathing, tension in our gut, etc. Fear also travels. It travels to those around us because we're connected in our relationships. And fear can lie behind some of the addictive patterns of behavior or thought that we, that we face as we seek to escape from our fears and to numb the worry. Finally, fear can in itself be addictive. If you think about those adrenaline junkies who are dependent on the next life-threatening experience to make them feel alive, or more commonly, just the way that it can glue us to our mobiles and that how it sells magazines and newspapers. News producers and editors have learned to rely on a glossary of those fear-inducing phrases to get our attention. Like this one, coming up, the frightening truth about sitting in traffic. What you may not know about the water you drink. Ooh, you think, I'd better listen. There could be a potential threat out there that I need to know about. So the issue is not whether we should feel the emotion of fear but it's what we do with those feelings and whether we allow them to control us. Max Lucado, the author, says, fear will always knock at your door. Just don't invite it in for dinner. And for heaven's sake, don't offer it a bed for the night. Which brings us to the Bible. And back to that thought that I shared at the beginning, which was God reminding me that I don't have to be afraid. Turns out that in the Bible, God says this again, and again and again. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Have courage. Joshua 1 verse 9, one of the best known examples, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41:10. so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we come to Jesus' teaching, his most common commands are also in the fear not genre. The Gospels list around 125 times that Jesus commands something, and out of those, 21 of them relate to fear. Do not be afraid, he says. You are worth much more than many sparrows. I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So Jesus seems to take our, our fears seriously. And it seems pretty clear that God thinks we can live a life that is free from fear. Not that we'll never feel the emotion, remember, but that we won't be controlled by it. How do we do this? Well, the Bible doesn't give us an easy three-step plan, but it does give us lots of helpful guidance. And recently, I found Psalm 23 to be a wonderful, super helpful example that has helped me to deal with my fears. We're going to do a meditation on that psalm in a few minutes. But the line that I want to pick out here is this one. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The first thing to note here is that it's not a certainty that difficult things won't happen to us. 
He says, though I walk through the darkest valley. So I pray for good things to happen in the world. I pray that the future would be better than today. But the truth is, I don't know for sure that this country won't go through some time of turmoil. I don't know how climate change is going to impact my children's lives. The Bible doesn't promise us that we'll be immune to those challenges or even the tragedies. Yet even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because what the Bible does promise us is that God will be with us. God will be near. And ultimately, folks, that is what our hope and our courage and our peace must be built on. The truth that God is with us, that God is near, and that God is enough. We see that in Psalm 23. We saw it in uh, the verse from Isaiah 41, do not fear for I am with you. We see it in Philippians 4 verse 5, the Lord is near. Matthew 28, Jesus is sending out his disciples and uh, about to leave them. And what does he say? Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We take our courage from these kind of verses. And at the end of the day, this is what I want my children to know. This is all that I can pass on to them. That whatever comes their way in life, however hard things may get, God will be with them and he will give them all they need and he will be enough for them. And he is enough for us today. In John chapter 14, again, just before Jesus leaves his disciples, he gives them a parting gift and says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So the Holy Spirit is here, is here to help us, to guide us towards peace. Just as I've experienced him doing in these last few weeks, reminding me of those words. But we too can do our part. Um, there can be some really practical things we do. You know, we're holistic beings. Um, our bodies are not separated from our minds or our spirits. And our bodies may respond to changes in diet, to reducing caffeine, to getting more sleep, to having more exercise. Those can be ways to help with anxiety. But a major area that we can think about is what we're thinking about. Our thoughts influence our emotions, and our emotions influence our thoughts. So if my thoughts are increasing fear, then I need to see how I can change them. I need to see how I can change the patterns of my thinking. In modern science terms, we need to rewire those neural pathways. In the language of ancient scripture, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Or Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Choosing to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. How do we do that? Is it by focusing on those words, do not be afraid? Is it by reminding ourselves of things that are good in our lives. So I need to think about how I engage with the news. Uh, not to shut myself off, I think, into a kind of comfy bubble where I shut out everything that 
could make me feel afraid. Um, but to think about how I engage with it, maybe when I engage with it, and to find ways to do so that allow me to respond out of compassion and out of courage more than out of fear. Perhaps it's like Peter stepping out of that boat into the storm and needing to look towards Jesus. Perhaps we need to look towards Jesus and not towards the fears of the storm. Max Lucado, in his book, Fearless, tells a wonderful story about going to see the doctor. He had some heart issues and he was having uh, some tests done and he sat there in the doctor's office and looked at the certificates and the diplomas on the wall uh, that showed him the qualifications of the doctor uh, and how smart and experienced he was. And that gave him confidence. Then he received the medical report and started reading, started reading some ominous news about the condition of his heart. And with each sentence of complicated medical terminology that sounded like bad news, he realized that he needed to pause and look up again at the certificates, at the diplomas, to regain his peace, to remind himself that though this piece of paper gave him difficult news, things would be okay because his doctor was really good. So as we finish, let's remind ourselves today that the one we trust in is really good. He's able to help us to live free from the control of fear because he's able to provide for us everything we need and because he promises that he will always be close. We're going to finish, as I said, with a meditation on Psalm 23. This psalm helps to ground us, to center us, and to remind us how things really are. So I just encourage you to relax, find a posture where you can relax, close your eyes if you'd like to, it's really up to you. I'm going to read through the psalm in a moment, and then I'm going to lead you through some prayer prompts as our response to what we've talked about today. So let's just be still for a moment. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place and we give you this next few minutes and ask that you would shine your light on every area of our life where you want to speak to us, where you want to work today. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, we take this opportunity to acknowledge that we are not in charge. You are Lord of our lives and not us. We're in your care. We're covered by you. And if you are our shepherd, then we can relax. So as we pause right now, we hand over everything that we're responsible for, everything we're in charge of, everything we're worried about. We hand them over to you. And just as you become aware of those things, you might want to picture them laid out on a table in front of you. And then you can just push them across the table in your mind's eye and give them to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I will not lack any good thing. God, we thank you that if you are our shepherd, then we have everything. As Jesus reminded us, if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then everything else will be given to us. So we choose now to trust your provision for us, even when our circumstances are difficult even when we're faced with needs that can seem daunting. God, we trust that you can sustain us and provide for us no matter what. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my life. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. God, we thank you that you satisfy us and you lead us towards rest and towards good things. Thank you that you're able to refresh all of the places in us that are tired, that are dry, that are broken. In this moment, we choose just to soak in your presence and allow us to lead us, allow you to lead us where we need to be. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thank you, God, that you want to eliminate all fear so that we can truly rest. We can be at peace in this world, even though it's dominated by fear, though it's full of disaster, death, and destruction. Thank you for your constant presence that frees us from fear. Would you show each of us now where you want to remove our fear today? We pray now for all those we know who may be going through dark valleys. We ask for your presence with them and your strength to sustain them. Would you just bring someone to mind now who needs your strength? We lift them to you, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because you are the good shepherd, there's not even any fear of your discipline, God. You prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Thank you that there is literally no place where I am not safe in this world. Your presence is always with me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Thank you, God, that you don't only meet our needs, but that you offer us an abundance, an abundance of goodness and of life. My cup overflows. God, would you show us where this is true for us today? Would you bring to mind now some of the good things that you've already given us so that we can enjoy today even as we give up our desire to control the future? Finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
we commit ourselves with the psalmist to dwell, to rest in your presence, God, today and every day for the rest of our lives. And we thank you, God, our good shepherd, that as we go about the rest of our day, there is nothing that we need to be afraid of, and we can go in peace. Amen. Amen.